so I just want to encourage you, if you're not fasting, join in with us. Even if you never heard of it before, you say, I didn't even know y'all were doing it. That's cool. We don't have no problem with you jumping in late. Um, just jump in with us, and I would encourage you, you'll be blessed when you give up more of self and more of this world and go after more of him. It, it, it works. It works. God uh, rewards those who do that. So I'm ready to preach a message, uh, week two of Get Your Life Back. Um, go ahead and get your notebooks out. If you've got your Bible, go to first. 1 Corinthians chapter 30. I'll be there in a moment. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 30. So I always love it when you check it out on your own Bible and you read along with me. You can highlight, you can underline, or you can uh, screenshot it and circle things that stand out to you as we go about. But in um, August, of, uh, August 11th of 2017, the world's oldest man passed away. 2017 is only, only about three and a half years ago, the oldest man alive passed away. He was one month shy of his 114th birthday. He, he died a very happy man. He, he died, uh, all people reported that he was such a joy-filled, hope-filled, full-of-life man, and he died surrounded by his kids uh, grandkids and great grandkids. Um, his name was Yisrael Cristal. <laughs> Yisrael Cristal. And you might expect, how does one live just shy of 114 years old? He must have had a peace filled life. He must have had it fairly easygoing, very little tension in order for the body and the mind to make it that long. And you would be wrong. For Yisrael was a Holocaust survivor. Yisrael, when he was younger, um, he was a married man when um, everything went down in Germany and, and, and the Nazi invasion. And they were moved to a, a ghetto camp. They were moved to Lot's ghetto where they lived for four years. And during those four years, both of his two children died in that ghetto. Then he was transferred to Auschwitz concentration camp along with his wife and in the period of time that he was there he saw his wife be killed and die he would eventually be liberated when the allied troops um, uh, liberated everything and when they found him he was found to be only 82 pounds at the time how does a person who's gone through great grief through great loss, suffered much emotionally, socially, physically, through his family. How does someone riddled with so much grief and suffering live so long to 113, almost 14 years old? In other words, how could someone so frail get their strength back Come on, when you've suffered a grave injustice like Yisrael, or when life's kicked you so hard in the gut, or when your last prayer didn't get answered, or when your marriage seems like arguments every single night, or when you have just had a terrible breakup and you thought that he or she was the one, how do you get your strength back? On week two of Get Your Life Back, I want to preach a message called Get Your Strength Back. Come on, write that down and tell your neighbor. Get your strength back. 
Come on, it is time to get your strength back. And I believe that there are some biblical keys in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that have stood out to me that I want to share with you, please. Okay, come on. I was, I was feeling it. I was feeling it. Some of y'all didn't even know I dropped bars on you. It was, it was, that was spontaneous. Come on, that was free. The first experience didn't even get that. I wasn't that, uh, I wasn't that inspired at the moment. 1 Samuel, Samuel 30, let's pray, God. Help me, Lord. And Father, open up our ears. Let your scripture be written upon our heart that we might not sin against you, that we would remember you at all the right times, that we would honor you with all of our decisions, and that we would live for you all of our days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 30 um, is a scripture that I've read many times, and I just want to encourage you that um, you need to be an avid reader of your Bible. I want to encourage you to read your Bible every single day, whether you give it five minutes or whether you're able to give it 15 minutes or 25 minutes. I just want to encourage you to read your Bible. I've been addicted to the Bible since 2002 when I gave my life to the Lord. He delivered me of so many good, so many crazy things, and he was so, so good to me that I just began to study him and, and try to learn about him and draw closer to him. And here's the thing, that no matter how many times you read certain books, of the Bible, God's word is living. And so it speaks in a new way. It's a, it's a double-edged sword. And, and there are some keys in here that I hadn't previously seen before. But when I was reading in 1 Samuel 30, something stood out to me that I was very excited to share with you today. Um, to give you some context, context th this story is about David. At this moment in 1 Samuel 30, he is not a king, but he would go on to become the greatest king that Israel ever had. Many would say he was a picture of Jesus Christ. He was, he was, the, he was the pinnacle of their kingship leadership to, to look as close to Jesus, and yet he had his failures too. Now, before um, this 1 Samuel chapter 30, um, he didn't always have a peaceful, easygoing life. In fact, he was, um, he was overlooked by his own father. His, his father kept him in the field while distinguished guests would show up at the house, and he'd call in all the other brothers, and he'd say, leave David out there to tend to the sheep. And so one time a prophet, Samuel, showed up. That's why the book is called Samuel. Samuel shows up to anoint the next king in this household. He's led by God. And after seeing all the David's brothers, he said, God said, don't you anoint any of them. And so Samuel says, aren't there any more? There's got to be another. And, and uh, David's own dad said, oh, yeah, I left one of them out into the field. He was overlooked. His brothers looked down upon him. Then he was anointed to be the next king at some point. And he would move into the king's household, King Saul, and he would serve King Saul. Only for king, he would lullaby King Saul with worship music and soothe his soul only for King Saul to throw spears at him, literally. He had darts thrown at him. King Saul tried to kill him a number of times. And so when we pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David is actually having to run for his life because his mentor, his leader, um, his wannabe spiritual father is actually throwing darts at him and he is running for his life and he is taking um, refuge in the enemy's camp. He's living in Philistine now. And in order to earn his place in Philistine, the, the enemy says, we're going to war with your brothers Israel. You're going to have to go to war with us. And some of his advisors goes, whoa, 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 that's not a very good idea. 
for every time we go to war against David, he kicks our tail. <laughs> like, we don't win against David. Like, David has been mopping us up. Please don't send him to war with us because he could turn on us and then we are toast. So, so send him back home. And so David and his army went to the Philistine battlefront only to be sent back home. I don't know if that's a disappointment for him not, or, or if he's going, whew, don't have to kill my brothers. Either way, I can go back to my wife and kids. And we're going to pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 30. It says, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. And the Amalekites were a third party. And these Amalekites, they had crushed Ziklag and burned their camp to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized that their camp had been invaded and what had happened to their families, they wept until they could not weep anymore. Let me just stop and say this. When life has punched you in the gut, when, when the last prayer hasn't been answered, there is a place for grief. And I'm telling you, this is something he talks about a lot and get your life back. Our world has almost a compassionless hurry, hurry to it. It's a frenzy of like, come on, someone died. You got three days to grieve them, get things together, and then get back to work. Come on, social media says, I need you to get back to encouraging me. Come on, why, aren't, why, why don't you turn that frown upside down? Come on. There is a place for grief in Christianity. Grief is a part of healing. It's a part of restoring. It's a part of um, remembering, and it's a part of healing. But the back part of grief is to have hope and purpose renewed. In other words, you can't stay there. So when life kicks you in the gut, as it did with David, you cannot just stay there, roll over and die, for life continues and you must get your purpose back. You must get your life back. You must get your strength back. And so the Bible says that all of them began to weep. In verse 5, David's, um, for David's two wives, this is Old Testament, all right, okay, David's two wives were among those captured. Men, don't get any ideas. It shall not be good for you. Come on. And it says in verse 6, But now David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. So I don't know what it is about humanity that we're always looking for someone to blame and if I can't understand some things I just start pointing fingers and so now David doesn't even get uh, very long to grieve before he realizes if I don't come out of grief real soon they gonna kill me too all of our families are dead and they are now looking to stone me and it says this next line that gets me jacked but David found strength say that word strength David found strength in the Lord his God. Come on, three ways to get your strength back today. Three ways to get your strength back. Number one is remember. As you're taking notes and you write down remember, you might say, remember what the Lord has done. For it is this one line that turns 1 Samuel chapter 30, which looks like bad news after bad news after bad news after all hell's breaking loose. They took my wife and kids. They got my cattle too. They burned my tent, yo. Where in the world am I going to lay down my head? And now they're trying to stone me too. But David found his strength. In the Lord. 
In other words, at some point as he's laying down, at some point when he's weeping, at some point when he's at his lowest moment, he must have this remember, this epiphany, this I, I, I've got to remember what the Lord has done. I've got to remember who the Lord is. When Moses was backed up against the Red Sea and they were about to be taken out, I remember God made a way. When Joshua was, was conquered at a Red Sea and when he was trying to take over Jericho, I remember God parted the way through the Red Sea. I remember God parted. He made all the walls come crumbling down. Come on. I can remember he was there for them and he has been there before. And so we got to remember if David doesn't find his strength, this 1 Samuel 30 turns into a pity party until Israel's done, until David's done, until his people are done. In fact, without strength, David dies. They're going to stone him. Without him getting his strength back, his wives and kids are going to die. There will be no rescue without David leading the charge. And if he does not get his strength back, his men's futures die, resigned to a fate of constantly binge drinking and coping with whatever they can get their hands on to deal with the fact that their wives and kids were taken from them one day. And this tragedy happened to me, bro. And I got a scar, so why don't you back off? A lot is at stake, but David remembered. He got his strength back when he remembered. When life kicks you in the gut, we grieve, but then we have a turning point where we remember how David found strength. Say those next three words. Where? In the Lord. David found strength. Say it. In the Lord. Come on. You've got to remember in the Lord. We don't get our strength back from social media. We don't get our strength back from, from um, uh, uh, chicken soup for the soul. Come on. Some of those things can help us out a little bit. But I'm telling you, we need to turn to the Lord Almighty. In David's case, he was looking to Jehovah for some help. Remember you got to remember what he has done. I remember he did this before. He can do it again. i got to remember what he is doing. Come on. He is still at work. He is good. I need to get around some testimonies. Come on. On January 30th, on our three-year anniversary, we're already getting prepared to share with you some testimonies. you got to get in a small group where you hear testimonies. By the way, you don't want to miss January 30th. It is going to be awesome as we celebrate three years together and what the Lord has done. We're going to remember what he has done. What what he is doing and what he is going to do. you got to get a scripture that declares God's promises, that declares what is for us in our future when life's kicked you in the gut. Maybe you need Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Maybe you like Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Somebody help me preach it up in here. This scripture is good. Maybe you want New Testament. John 16 verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. In other words, you got to remember. Remember what he did for your kids back when. Remember when he delivered you from your deepest, darkest sins. It may not be going good right now, but I need to remember David must have had an epiphany where he got strength in the Lord. I can trust the Lord. I can look to the Lord. It only starts with one. Tell your neighbor, be the one. 
Write it in the chat. I'm going to be the one. Come on. It only takes one person to turn it all around. It just took one person to remember David to turn it all around for his army, for his wives and kids, and for everyone involved in this story. It only takes one person in your family to, be, to believe and remember and to turn it all around. It only takes one person in your workplace to turn it all around. It only takes one person in our city to turn the morale around. Come on. Be the one who turns the con around be the one who turns the the moaning and complaining over around when they've taken your family and burned your city be the one to remember God and get your strength back come on that's good verse 7 and verse 8 then he said to Abathar the priest why'd your parents name you Abathar that's a weird name bro <laughs> no he didn't say that he had other things on his mind <laughs> That was probably their campfire discussion the night before. Like, what's up with Abathar, man? Okay, anyway. Then he said to Abathar, the priest, bring me my ephod. Or bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it, and then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely say these next two words with me. Recover everything. Come on, our God is the God who helps recover everything that was taken from you. Our God is the God of restoration. Our God is the God of recovery. Our God is the God who makes the thief who stole from you pay you back sevenfold for your trouble. Come on, our God is the God who recovers all. And that's why we need to, number one, remember, but number two, pray. Number two, pray. David said this, Abathar, bring me the ephod. Go get me the ephod. The ephod was a priestly attire. It was meant for priests. Now, David's not a priest, but he's like, enough with it all. I need the ephod. Why? Because the priests would use the ephod a lot like in our modern-day kitchens. We might use an apron to cover our good clothes so that the flour doesn't mess up this look I got going on. I got some swag going on. I don't want to mess this thing up, right? So an ephod would be worn by a priest as he sacrificed a lamb or as he was preparing to speak with God so that the blood would hit the ephod and not mess up this good clothes that I got going on. He said, Abathar, go get me the ephod. In other words, go get me the voice of God. Go get me the presence of God. Somebody needs to say, Abathar, bring me the ephod. I've heard enough of my own thoughts. I got way too many opinions from all the people all around me and social media. I've heard plenty of opinions on news and everything else. I don't need any more voices. I need the voice of God. Bring me the ephod. Come on. I want to hear from him. I want to spend some time hearing his, his voice. And, and so I believe this is a modern day of prayer and fasting where we say enough of all that. I'm no, I've listened to my appetite well enough and look what it's done for me guys i'm here to tell you i sat up I, I set up on a goal last year to drop 10 pounds and i'm i'm happy to say i got 20 pounds left to go guys I've listened to my appetite long enough, and it's not gotten me very far. I've listened to social media. I've listened to news. I've listened to Netflix. I've listened to everything that tried to cope and help me. But at some point, you got to say, enough with all that stuff. Bring me the ephod. Bring me the voice of God. I'm willing to fast those things because I want more of God. I want to hear from him. I want to spend time with him. 
Earlier this week, we were at the annex praying, and on Thursday, uh, Zach was there praying along with us. He's a, he's a surgical assistant, and he has been a believer in, in God for a long time, a worshiper of him. And he said this, he said, during this fast, though, I always want to read more, and I'm doing that in the fast, but during this fast, I, I replaced my Instagram app, which is on my homepage, with my Bible app, and I moved Instagram off my homepage. Now, my muscle memory, come on, you know this is true too, because the, the TV goes to commercial, and what's the first thing you do? You swipe up and you hop onto something else because we're a distracted, hurried, frenzied society, right? And he said, it's crazy. I find myself swiping up and going to hit that button, and I find myself Instead of opening the voice of other people's opinions, I'm now opening the voice of God. I'm finding myself, I didn't mean to. I didn't even know that I was trying to. I just have done something practical to allow myself to get more of his voice and less of the world's voice. And so now, he, I would encourage you right now, open up your phone. Move your social media app. Move your web app. Move your, your web browser off of it. Put the Bible instead. And you'll find yourself all week long going, I didn't mean to open up the Bible, but I'm here now. And I probably need more of it than the other things I was searching for. Come on, that's a good tip. I love that during the fast. Our muscle memory is jacked up. Our muscle memory tells us to go to society to fix and to cope. But here, David said, I need the Lord. I need the ephod. I don't need all that other stuff. He didn't say, let's have a delegation come aside. Should we pursue them or should we sit here and weep and mourn? He didn't say that. He said, bring me the voice of God. Bring me the presence of God. Bring me the ephod. I'm, I, I, he, in other words, he said, I'm not a priest. <laughs> and and I, you might be thinking, I'm not a priest. And I don't hear God like David does or like you do. Can I encourage you that, uh, number one, 1 Peter 2.9 says, All of us in the New Testament, for we are chosen people, you are a royal priesthood. Tell your neighbor, you are a priest. And then tell them, but I can still get married. Some of you are like, I, I don't want to be a priest. I want to get married. Come on. Listen, we're not talking about that. We're talking about someone who meets with God, someone who spends time with God. That's what the biblical definition of the priest was, a holy nation, God's very own people. And if you'd say, I don't hear from God the way David heard from God, let me encourage you. Many people don't hear a literal voice from God. They hear a strong discerning. A sensing, a strong sense that what, what, God, what is being heard right now in my soul is from God. I heard one woman say, it is as if, it, as if God dropped a word in my spirit. And so you, you say, man, I, I don't know if that I, I'm hearing it. Listen, if what you're hearing aligns and reminds of Scripture, that's the voice of God. Come on. We need to hear more and more of the voice of God that we listen and we listen. And if it aligns and reminds of Scripture, come on. Come on. I'm excited about that. If it doesn't align and remind, throw that junk out. That's the devil. That's all you. I ain't listening to you. Come on. Or that might be your own voice, right? But I need to hear. I need the ephod. And listen, for David, when the ephod came, it probably came with the Urim and Thummim, which were basically like dice that the Old Testament priests would roll. And God used this system to answer their requests during the Old Testament. They would literally roll this thing and whatever the answers were, they felt God led it. Now, God has done away with that system in the New Testament, for Jesus has come. He has conquered that system, and he left the Holy Spirit to speak to us. In other words, you're 
strength doesn't come from rolling the dice, but asking God's advice. Come on, your strength doesn't come from rolling the dice. Some of you have said, I don't know how this is going to go down. I don't even know how to get my strength back, but I'm just going to roll the dice. No, your strength doesn't come from rolling the dice, but asking God's advice. And God has given us Jesus Christ, the same spirit that lived in him, to be with us. And in two series from now, I'll talk more about the Holy Spirit. But for now, 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, God's spirit has shown you everything. His spirit finds out everything even what is in the mind of God. And God's spirit is the only one who knows what's in God's mind. But God has given us this very same spirit. Come on, isn't that good? Do you want to know what's in God's mind? Do you want to know what he's speaking? You need connection with the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 says, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is, by the way, the advocate is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything. He will remind you of everything that I have told you. Come on, we need prayer. We need connection with God. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. And so here's your homework assignment during prayer and fasting, would you just like set a reminder in your phone to go off once a day that when it happens, you just take a minute to turn off all distractions, turn off all voices, tell your kids, go play in the other room, <laughs> close the door to your office or, or do your best, put your AirPods in, earpods in and put on do not disturb or something, silence things and just say, God, speak, Lord, for I am listening. And then just see if any strong sensing gets dropped into your spirit if it aligns and reminds with god come on with scripture come on game on this is good this is what we need this is what david had number three verse 9 through 12 so david and his 600 men set out but 200 of them were say these next two words too exhausted they were too exhausted to cross the brook isn't a brook typically small it's just hitting me you too exhausted to jump over that brook yell okay anyway so David continued the pursuit with 400 men. Along the way, they found an Egyptian man in a field and brought him to David. They gave him, say gave, some bread to eat and water to drink. They also gave him, say gave, part of a fig cake and two clusters of raisins. Before long, his strength returned. Come on. This is the second time someone's getting their strength back. So number 3, I think that you need to I think that you need to remember, I think that you need to pray and number 3, I think you need to give. I think you need to give. You say, "Hold up, my friend. Life's just kicked me in the gut. I'm feeling depleted. I'm feeling low and you want me to give? You want me to give out of this? I can't ignore the text that David's men were exhausted and depleted, 200 of which said, I can't even go on any further. I need me a raisin cake or something. And they get across an Egyptian man and they said, feed him. In other words, give of our resources, even though we could use some of those resources ourselves. I'm sure some of the people could have used more. And yet they came across a wanderer and they fed him and they gave. And this isn't the first time. Later on, they would get their wives' children back, their cattle and all their sheep. And their 400 who returned came across the other 200 and they said, we ain't giving y'all nothing. You ain't go fight. You couldn't even jump over a brook. I'm the one who risked my life. Y'all aren't going to get anything. And David said this. He said, but David said, no, my brothers, don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. He has kept us. 
and he has helped us. In other words, two times in this text, they gave even when it seemed like they didn't have very much to give. Um, um, one of our, our third hope for you here at Lift Church, he lifts, I lift, and we lift, is that we would lift together and be generous. Do you know that every time you give, more than 10% is given away outside of our walls because we need to be generous as well and we need to give. In fact, two weeks ago, we served 80 plus health workers in the ICU, PCU, and CTICU. Come on, two weeks ago. Isn't that exciting? Let's give it up for all of our medical workers and encourage them because when life's depleting, come on, we need someone who is able to give and to restore and to bring hope and to lift up and to give courage. That's what it means to encourage. Come on, write this down. You get your strength back when you get your generosity back on track. You're like, oh, Pastor Drew, that one's stepping on my toes. I don't really like that one all that much. I feel like I need to do self-preservation. I feel like I need to get my life back on track, and then I'll take care of other things. And God says, no, 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 faith goes first. Come on, it, the first 10%. Come on, the first fruits should be his. And I'll bless all other things. In other words, I'm going to give you your strength back when you get your generosity back on track. Social studies have proven to us helping people are happier. Like when you give your talents away and you serve someone else, you get an endorphin rush and you start feeling pretty good about yourself. It starts picking you up out of your depression. When you give financially, when you give your talents away, when you give your time away, when you do something greater than yourself, in other words, when you get your generosity back, you get, a you get an endorphin rush that all of a sudden hits you. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling like I just had a lift. It's right there in the Bible. If David isn't generous to this Egyptian, the Bible says that this Egyptian they found out was a slave of the enemy who just took his wives and kids. I bet they were all like, give him a raisin cake? How about we kill that brother? Show him. They fed him. He got his strength back. And they said, will you take us to the Amalekites? He said, I'll show you the front door as long as you don't turn me back in. I'll take you right up to their tent. This Egyptian slave takes them to the tent. David and his men raid the camp, get all their wives and kids back, all their cattle, all their supplies, all their goods, because they helped a brother get their strength back, an outsider get their strength back, and it blessed them. Come on. Um, you know, I, I'm preaching to the choir because we have some of the most generous givers right here in our church. Many of y'all have asked, how's the legacy offering going? And I haven't revealed that just yet because many people's gifts were still coming in. And um, I want to tell you that as we sit here today, we got a little over $69,000 that was raised towards this year's legacy offering. And that's about to be doubled. Come on. And, 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 and I'm so pumped about that. And some of you might remember that we had an offer to have everything up to $250,000 doubled. And you might say, well, that's awesome, but just shy of $70,000. Um, I, I hope to be a lot closer to $250,000. Can, uh, can I encourage you for a moment? That at this time last year during our end of the year legacy offering, we have now received more than three times we did last year. In other words, our Lord has been good. 
You guys have been amazing. I am encouraged. Come on. This is exciting. There is another promised gift of $1,000, so we're going to be north of $70,000. And I, I say this. This is just me thinking. Why don't we just get another 5000 added to it? My wife and I, I, I didn't talk to her yet, but she'll say yes. We're going to put a little something extra. Could we just raise another $5,000? that will um, double immediately and take us to $150,000 that we're going to put in the five legacy lanes because that's a round number and maybe I got some ADD or something wrong with me. All I know is this. Come on. It just takes one person to write $1,000. It just takes two to write $750. It just takes three to write $500. And it takes about 10 of us to write $50. Come on. If you can do something and you want to earmark it legacy, this will be our last chance to do that. If you're feeling pressured, no problem, don't do it. But if you're feeling moved by God, let's go, babe. This will be the last time it gets doubled. Then join with me today. Come on, you could do that. Just hear Market Legacy or do it online. And we are, we're happy no matter the result. And i got to close because I've gone too long. What's the result of all this? Verse 17 and 19. It says, David and his men rushed in among them. He slaughtered all the Amalekites. Yeah. David got back everything the Amalekites had taken. He rescued his, no, he points out two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought, say these last two words with me, everything back. Come on, let's close by seeing how God works and tally up who got their strength back. All because someone remembered, prayed, and gave. All right, David got his strength back. The Egyptian slave, who's an outsider, got his strength back. The, his brothers and, uh, and his army soldiers, the men, they got their strength back as they recovered their wives and their children. And the wives and the children got their lives, their future, their health, and their security back. Come on. So many people were blessed all because one person remembered, prayed, and gave. Come on, let's give it up for the Lord. I believe that can happen again today, that we need to get our strength back. And it starts with remembering. It moves to praying. And then it also includes giving. Because strength is found in giving, not hiding, hoarding, or taking. For God said, uh, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Come on. I want you to open your hands right now, and I want you to receive as I bless you to this morning. God, I thank you for your people online and in person. Every single person with their hand opened up. Father, we're in a posture to receive. Why? Because you have been so good to us. You are a giving Father. It is our inheritance that you give and you provide and you take care of us for all things are yours and yet you provide and you give generously and we thank you for that. God, we remember what you have done. If our, our, if our spiritual tank is low, if our physical tank is low, if our emotional tank is low, we start by remembering. Father, I pray that your people would remember all that you've done. Remember all that you've done in the word. Remember all that you've done in their family's life. Remember all that you've done. Remember what you are doing. And remember all the promises that you said are coming. For all the promises of God are yes and amen. So all the things that have spoken will come to pass. And we thank you that we are in the lineage of your inheritance. And so, Father, we pray, Father God, that we could hear your voice more clearly. Respond to it. Do what you've called us to do. Give us our purpose back. Speak.
speak to us individually and uniquely, Father. I thank you that we're going to come out of the cave. We're going to come out of depression because we are getting our strength back and it comes from you. And then, Father, that we would be generous along the way, that we would not think about self-preservation first, but we would think about you have been good. And if this is your legacy, being generous, then as your kids, we will be generous too. And so, Father, we know that as we give, you will provide. Father, you always provide seed to the sower. You always provide the harvest. And we thank you in advance for being who you are and that we can trust you. And everyone who receives that say, amen. And with your head still bowed, your eyes still closed, I just want to speak and ask some of you in this room, you're just not right with God. If, if, if some online, are you right with God? If, if you had to meet him face to face today, would you be blessed or would you gulp? Would you feel like you just got kicked in the gut because there are things that I'm not proud of, things that are not right between me and him? I want to tell you there's an opportunity to get it right today. The Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God gives us life and life more abundantly. Let me encourage you, just as David rushed into the Amalekite camps and they took back everything that was stolen, I want to tell you that Jesus Christ rushed into the enemy's camp. That is this world. It is called a territory where the enemy runs free. Come on. Jesus Christ rushed into the enemy camp and he took back all that was stolen. That means you and I, anyone who confesses their sins and says that they need the Savior, the saving grace of Jesus Christ and what he did. Come on. He, God takes back all that was stolen. Your future doesn't have to be in demise. It doesn't have to be uncertain. You can know that you are right with God today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you, but I don't want you to be embarrassed to admit before heaven and God that, God, I need a change. I need to ask you to forgive me, and I want to give you my life. If that's you in this place right now, hold your hand up high and just say, that's me. Pastor Drew, include me in that prayer. If you're online and you say, I need to be included in that prayer, today is the day to get my strength back and it starts by giving my life to Jesus would you write in the chat include me too come on we want to pray with you and I've seen some hands and I know that some people online are making some decisions I'm going to ask you as well as the whole church to repeat this prayer after me let's open our voices and let's speak with God right now say Jesus I give you my life I have messed up I've committed sins I've done some dumb things I've hurt you, I've hurt myself, I've hurt so many people. God, I ask you to forgive me. I'm so sorry for what I've done. I don't want to live that way anymore. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross to forgive me. You paid my price. You paid my debt. You died where I should have died so that I could be innocent and free. Let your innocent blood cover me right now from head to toe so that I am a new person and so that as the Father looks at me, he sees nothing but innocence. He sees nothing but purity because of you, Jesus. I want you to live in my heart, Jesus. Be my Lord, and I'm going to let you call the shots. I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said...